I came from the lowest division rugby that you can play. And I mean, no one would be going to watch those games because who are you expecting to find in development rugby? No one. My first season with Port Leach in Development League. So I went to Leinster Trials, didn't get picked, didn't even get a call back. I knew I was good enough, deep down. So I took the long oh, road. they are kicking themselves. Yeah, yeah. I took the long road to Connacht. I played one match for Connacht and I got selected by the Irish coach to go into camp. And that's that. And I started the first game of Six Nations and played them all that year in 2010. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby URC, another cracking weekend of URC action to look back on, including a huge interprovincial encounter between Munster and Leinster in Toman Park. As always, I am joined by the lovely the legendary Lindsay Pete. Thank you very much. I missed you, my friend. My bearded, my beautiful bearded little friend. How are you? I, I was I was sick last week, unfortunately. The the, the Mr. 19 finally caught me, so I was oh, down for a few sick. days, but thankfully back now. Still a bit of a sore chest, but negative tests and back in work with this my good friends. Good the Olympic back, hero man. himself. Thank you very much for keeping the seat warm. It's good to have you back, Captain. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. have me out of a job soon, I'd say. But. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, we have another great guest joining us today, guys. An old friend of yours. Yes. Irish Rugby International, former Irish Rugby International, Alison Miller. Great to have you on. Good to be here. Good to be here with you guys. We'll get straight into it anyway. Um, obviously, we'll kick off with the, the main event. Um, obviously, I don't want to talk too much about it. I don't think Greg does, but I'm sure Lindsay does. Uh, Munster, Leinster, Tolman Park. A bonus point win for Leinster in Limerick. 34-19, the final score was. Yeah. Disappointing from a Munster perspective, anyway, I can say that much. Well, I think things need to change. Is for like four times out of the last five trips, we've gone down and beaten you. So, considering Munster and their history and Tom and Park being such a fortress, you know, it's never easy going down there. But I thought Lancer were patient. And I thought, to be honest, when they're in the 22, we just went to another gear. And I just highlighted the gap, I think. Um, I think we're in good stead now for the season without really digging the knife into you two. Beautiful yeah. I, I'm always like okay, I'm always giving out about them. You were you've tried to defend them. Like I don't think you can defend them this time, can you? No, because I actually went to the match yesterday and I saw it in person. I was so frustrated. It's my voice. I was just shouting. I was the loudest man in the sand shouting. I just I thought the decision making was just so poor yesterday. Um, but it's still a fortress. Like ten home games in a row. Once we've won all competitions, it's just we can't beat Leinster, man. Four well, I think it's times. the gap to the next level to go back to bring you back to to Trophy City, you yeah, know, and yeah. that's where you have been kind of. It's three defeats in the last four games, as you remember that as well. Like there's two defeats in South Africa as well, and then yeah. there was a, yeah. a route against the Dragons. What do you make of the game, Alison? I, mean, I just think there is a there is a big gulf between Munster and Leinster now, unfortunately, for you guys to have to hear that. But um, Leinster rugby, just the depth that they have in their squad to be able to bring in those guys, the the strength of their back row. The speed of Leinster's rook ball, it's so quick. It's so hard to defend. And I just think, you know, like the, the, the simple hands, they just do it so well, do the simple things really well. And I think they're probably one of the best teams in, you know, club rugby in the world. And they're so hard to beat. But like you have someone like Jimmy O'Brien playing absolute out of his skin at the moment. Like to finish his try to beat Murray, sensational. You've got James Lowe, who's just... He's got so many strings to his bow. He's like an, e- an extra back roar out there. He's got his fend. He's got his footwork. He's got his handoff. He's so, he's so good to watch. He's improved his game, hasn't he, from his decision making. I like the way he, they really held the width. Um, and I, uh, Gibson Park just again sucked Munster in around the try line. They were patient. They stuck to their game plan. And similar to the Ring Rose try, they just went blind. They seen Munster hadn't got the numbers. 
and just it was really simple hands really simple basic hmm. rugby being patient and I just thought executed very well yes yeah. and, and rugby is a simple game and just before we come on here it's simple it's keeping the ball making good decisions retaining it biding your time and sticking to your game plan you know what I mean mm. and I think Leinster did that very well and in championship games when you're put under pressure this is the difference I think with, for me being a Leinster fan I, I know I'm biased but I think this is the difference and this is the difference with championship winning teams mm. across all sports execution possession I think once you have to decide decisions. going forward obviously what way they're going to play, um, how their attack is going to evolve. We, we heard a lot about how their attack was going to evolve over the last number of years, but I don't think we've really seen that. So I think um, they were they stayed in the fight, I think, probably longer than they have in previous games. And they did show intent and their their bench came on and made a huge difference. And I think it's a question a about... Of, of of Irishmen. Like, you have big names. Hmm. If you look at Leinster, to be fair to them, you can say about their depth, but what they're doing is they're blooding Irish players which will only help Irish rugby and has brought success to a blue and a green jersey unfortunately some of Munster's big names aren't Irishmen mm. though they develop those around them like Kendall and Kamani he, he was such an impact player I thought he was, he was brilliant he's the ex-Irish under 20s captain he really impressed me when he led out that team last year and I think maybe obviously the coach has to be sorted mm. um, but I think for me what Munster need to do now is probably just blood your younger players because I think the ethos and mentality and heart of Munster rugby would be reinvigorated by some of the youth yeah. that would come through. That, that's what you, you've been pretty strong about like you know, over the last few weeks. Like, and you look at it, you said you have Kendall coming on there, Witcherly, Casey, Ben Healy. Then you've got guys like Crowley there as well, Buckley. Like The next coach comes in, would you like him to say, OK, let's let's look at this as a two or three year project and let's build around these, this, this young academy of players you've got coming through? Yeah, exactly. I think some of the best players are sitting there in around the 20, 21 years old. So it's going to be, I think of at least another two, three seasons before we get Munster back to say cup winning rugby. Mm. But if you look at the teams yesterday, it was basically Munster versus the Irish team. And people were like, all oh, internationals are back. Munster had Conor Murray, Peter O'Mahony and Joey back who were all were on the bench for Ireland. Mm. And you name out Leinster, Gary, Robbie, Low, you could just name them all, like Doris, Conan. Sure. 80% like, of the team. The front row to come on was yeah. Ely. Yeah. 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 It's just a whole Sheehan Irish thing. and... A Ty Furlong. Furlong. Yeah, can you imagine that, like... Do you know what I mean? Well, we bided our time. Do you know what I mean? I think at this stage, and look, I'm not, I'm not monster, but I'm just kind of looking at a, br- a blueprint that works. Leinster had a long-term plan, as I look at what we're saying. As in, yes. monster always seems to be short-term. This mm-hmm. seems to be okay. Let's bring in our Snyman, let's bring in our Delendes, let's bring in our Larkums, let's bring in our yeah. Round Trees, and every year now it's let's bring in Fekatoa. Like instead of going, okay, let's not look at. The long-term plan again, okay, let's build a squad over two, three, four years and not mm. let's spend all our money and get these big investment companies, companies to come in. Yeah. And yeah. let's build that squad for years. Yeah. And it is swings around about. So, I mean, in, in the successful Munster years, we've seen an Irish team being the nucleus, being those Paul O'Connells and the Dunicas and the Peter Stringers and the Derry Fanneries. And, you know, like I want to see that back. You don't want a born, you don't want born games. You want, like you do want success and you want, it's been a long time now. And I just yeah. think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, yeah, build it around Fekatoa, you know, but the essence of Munster rugby has to be the homegrown talent mm. from the provinces of Munster. Yeah, well, that's the, I'm not a big fan of Fekatoa coming over, but I think, as you mentioned, Kendellen was unbelievable, Coombs is unbelievable, but our best player yesterday was uh, Damien Delande. Like, 
Mm. You know, when, the, when the marquee players leaving as well, mm. Claudio was good, he's leaving. So we need to start looking at our own fellas and building it up around mm. them guys. Get Kendall and start playing him more. He was the yeah. best player oh, in the pitches. You've, got, you've, got, you've got John yeah. Haddon, a person there, who's John a Hadden's super player. Like yes. just does, He's not getting minutes at all because Claudio is there. So if he exactly. goes, maybe John Haddon will get a full season under his belt and he'll start developing yeah. into a Caelan Doris or into a Jack Conan or into and, a Josh van der Fleer because yes. it takes time. It takes time. And, and Doris wasn't too long again, under 20s, biding his time at Leinster, and yeah. now he's getting... Like, I think it's, it's the competition in Leinster, though. It just, you know, like you get your chance in Leinster to perform and you get your chance to start. You have to keep it. So you yeah. have to play well. So all this competition that they have, you know, like you see guys now that are leaving to go to Connacht, the three guys, you know, it's, there's so much competition that if you get your opportunity in Leinster, you've got to take it. So that builds that ethos of you know, high standards. Mm. So do Munster have that same uh, competition in their team week in, week out? Yeah. I think they do, but they don't rotate as well as Lancaster mm. and, and Cullen. I think there's mm. something different there. We kind of said this a couple of weeks yeah. ago that it's a bit like, you know... Do you don't have the biggest squad as well as a leader, do you? Like? Yeah. No. But it's up to the coaches to build that environment. That's well, that's your coach's problem to build that environment. Fairness, yes, it was Leinster's starting 15 and we were missing Ty Byrne, Zebo, mm. Earls, Conway. Yeah. Put all those guys in. That's a lot of leadership mm. who might have tightened it up a little bit more yeah, and made maybe. a bit of a tighter game. Um, but then again, if you're going to be winning cups as a Munster rugby, your second string lads should be able to, to mm. uh, not play as poorly as they did yesterday. So, yeah, it was quite demoralising, but... Leinster were good, man. And the only kind of another positive for me was the bench. Monster's bench. I was really impressed with Craig Casey when he came on. Yeah. When the pace went up when he came on like crazy. Mm. I thought he was really impressed. I thought Ben Healy was good at 10. Um, but I'm kind of clutching at straws. I just thought the decision making was poor. When Peter Manny kicked the ball going down the wing, mm. I was just like, what is he doing? <laughs> He's an incredible player, but line outs, rock and tackling. That's it. Stop kicking the ball, man. Yeah. It's such a poor leadership decision. You're the leader of the pitch. Not the and you're kicking the ball, man. There's kids looking at you like. But if a player that senior is making those decisions, you've got to look upstairs yeah. and go, like, if Peter Manny, if there isn't a game plan that Peter Manny's doing kicks like that, then. Is that desperation? That's what I'm saying. He must be. Is he fed up? Yeah. He tried it twice. We had an advantage a couple of minutes before that and he kicked it. Lucky he came back and we got the kick. Then he did it again. I was like, yeah. what does that say to the younger lads? Like, we're just going to kick the ball around. We're playing Leinster in the derby. We're losing. Let's just kick the ball. Yeah. Like, it was just really frustrating because he'd never have done that before. Like, no. You know, and he, there was another decision when we got a penalty in our half in the 10 metre playing up the way in the first half I think it was and he decided to go for a scrum in our own 10 metre that's such a weird decision yeah. to make. you're 50 metres away or 60 metres away yeah. kick the ball to touch get the line out and get play in your half the decision making for me was just so weird yesterday I thought um, so it was quite frustrating but I don't see, see how they're going to get on against Exeter now that's, yeah, weeks, that's so. a big block coming in like I mean going to Exeter and Sandy Park so it works it's going to be aggregate this time around so even if we do get a win in Tone Park mm. which you, you'd be confident they still might be able to hold them I don't think they'd be able to hold him over two legs, to be honest with you. No, not the calibre of the players Exeter have and, and their experience. And obviously, finalists last year, am I right with that? So, um, I don't know. I, I just think now, I don't think Munster have a set team. You know my opinion on Casey Murray argument. I think <laughs> to, to play this, the style of rugby now that's kind of throughout the world, it's, it's quick, it's explosive. And I'm mm. not sure Munster have the identity fully now to just go confidently. But I, I'm hopeful. I'm obviously a Munster fan for that game. If Burn plays, if Conway plays, Erzy plays, um, I think we might do all right in our mm. home fixture against Exeter. They'll throw with leadership a bit more. Um, Looks like we're going to lose Coombs for that game. I know we're just saying it would be great. It could be a huge opportunity for Ken Dillon. Ken Dillon, he, I, I'd back Losing him Coombs is still a massive blow and yeah. losing him in, in the, the, the circumstances in which we lost him. I know we had Devin on the show there a, a few weeks back, yeah. but 
it, what happened in, what happened there it was he came in that that this whole side entry business it's an accident waiting to happen it's we've seen so many serious injuries I don't understand how that wasn't picked up yep. somehow it resulted in a Leinster penalty and I'm sick and tired of seeing it because so many players are getting serious injuries over this just recklessness and considering the referee was so hot actually on the breakdown yesterday it was kind of strange wasn't it because he mm. was like there was penalty after penalty and a penalty for both sides all at the breakdown so it's for it's frustrating and again, they're kind of, I know referees are giving messages. We've seen it in the women's game, which we'll move on to in a while. But um, the breakdown is a hot point now when they're trying to speed up, the, obviously, the game. But you have to take player welfare into consideration. Yeah. So yeah. just... Mm, Leinster yesterday seemed to come out with the mindset of rocking past the ball. They were going like a metre past mm-hmm. every time. Which again, on the cusp of being Which penalized. is on the cusp, which yeah. is yeah. kind of like, it was a bit weird, but it worked for them yesterday. Munster couldn't live with the rock speed from Leinster. See, the thing is, again, like, you know, as players, you just... My job, my philosophy in it is, and Ali will know this because I would have said it a lot of time when they were giving out to me for giving away penalties. My <laughs> job is not to referee, my job is to play. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. If, if you're going to, you know, if you're living on the edge, you're getting away with well, it. Well, if you're managing the referee, yeah. and I think the smart teams will figure that out yeah. within five minutes of the game, how the ref is mm-hmm. ref in key parts of the game, like the offside, like the rook. And I suppose Leinster were smart. They, mm. they figured out early on they could do that and they got away with it. And if the referee is not going to ping you on that, well, you're going to do it. So, We'll be seeing it with England, Ireland, yeah. Scrum. But isn't that, that 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 brings us back? Like that is the problem with rugby. I mean, there's always you're always going to be given an opportunity to get in the referee's ear in any sport. That's mm. only natural. But in rugby, it's it comes down so much to a referee's interpretation yeah. in so many of the key areas. Yes, and especially when it results in something like this. Like I mean, if it's something like a, a scrum, like and the, with the England and Ireland game, like they're getting away with penalties. Something like this, where like a guy's career could be on the line, Absolutely. or something serious could happen because of. Guys are know they're getting away with these things. And if, if, if they're penalised, they won't do it anymore. And we've seen that with, with high tackles. I know they're mm. still there, but the game has gotten much better mm. because yeah. players know now you have to get lower. And as a result of that, like it's going to benefit like careers because people are like, won't have to retire at 29, 30 because of concussions anymore. So mm. yeah. it's a huge and area. That's up to the clubs now to kind of highlight it to the, to the hierarchy, mm. you know, to, to keep an eye on let's look at this change. And, you know, but um, mm. yeah. Another talking point for me yesterday was I thought Joy did very well at 15 yeah. when he went back there. And I know the other week I was saying, oh, weird that Joy played 15 for Ireland for those 10 minutes. Mm. I like the look from back there because he's so creative. He's such a good step. He sees gaps. And then when Ben Healy went in at 10, I thought it was a nice way to have it. I'm, I'm going to say Matt Galler didn't have a good game. And he just, no. he just compared to Keenan, like the high balls, he wasn't dominating the air. Yeah. Some poor decisions running back in. So I'd like in the next uh, couple of games against Exeter, I think I'd like to see Joy at 15. What do you make of that, Jason? It's a strange one because it brings us all the way back because Joey came in at 15 for Leinster before he signed for Munster and he played a lot of games there because Johnny was at 10 and he was absolutely class there. But then it was like, yeah, but it doesn't matter how class he is there. We need a backup 10 for Ireland. Mm. Yeah. So let's move him into Munster. So he plays a 10 at Munster. And if we go back to this now, he ends up playing 15. Yeah. After all the talk, and the reason he moved to Munster was to be a 10 and to challenge Johnny Sexton. I, think I know he he's been riddled with injury. but I think he's been riddled with injury. Yeah. And I think he hasn't hit the form that we saw early on, earlier on when he played 10. So I thought, yeah, Healy did really well as well. And... Carby was really good at 15, but do we need to give him a little bit more time to try and regain that form that he had? So potentially yeah. that, like Johnny, obviously for Ireland, I'm sick of that conversation, but he's not going to be around forever. So, um, 
is it a bit of do we need to give him a bit of time to try and rediscover this form at 10 I yeah. think you're right because we had Ross Byrne yesterday is another name obviously I thought Ben Healy had a great game when he came in at 10 I think he's having a great season uh, he's been key to any of the Munster good performances and yeah. we all know how key our 10 is mm. um, but I think Ross Byrne is another one he's just solid he's nothing fancy he's so he plays the game exactly yeah. mm. um, and I think it's a nice option and I think going back to the extra game Whatever about your players, your coach has to pick now at this stage a team that's just, you know, just yeah. go, just set your stall out. You know, it's championship rugby now at this stage, you know, just play with some, just gamble. Just gamble and trust yeah. in your squad. And you know what, if you have Stop to play, kicking it away. I just, <laughs> love, I just love the way Leinster play so flat to the line. I think that was a huge difference. Some of the passes on the game line yesterday were sublime. And as a forward, when you're like being sold down the swanee, but if you're given this ball on the game line, you know, I was like, that's what you want. You just want through a gap because it's a split decision for the defender and you're getting a soft shoulder. You've got so much momentum. No one's stopping you. And it's just a joy. And I know the Italy game, like Johnny only came on as a sub, but he was just a general and everything Mm. was on the game line. Everything. comes down to your speed of rook balls which Leinster are very yeah, good at like exactly. Ireland whereas Munster aren't ball, great yeah. at that at the moment yeah. do you know what I mean like they're, the ball isn't, they're not getting it out as quick enough no. they're but really there are areas you can improve on but again you just have to pick your philosophy and go with it like Leinster have not deviated they stick to the plan even against Connacht when they were frustrating in the first half they stuck to it they were patient they didn't give away the ball they didn't give away penalties and eventually they grind I just think um, one, I think this is a big thing I think Munster at a crossroads about how they're going to play What's their yeah, style? I don't think they've any for a long time, you know, like the box kicking, mall, and that is a huge strength of Munster. But I think you have to have variety to your game, so you keep those things because they're traditional strengths. But you bring other aspects to your game. It's like like any good team; they're able to play their different strengths around the field. But I think Munster have to evolve their game to keep those two things, but also you know play a different style at different times of the game because I think they got to adapt and they have to go with it. And I think we haven't seen the evolution. But well, they have to be adaptable to the opposition they're playing. Yeah. They don't have the players to do that, play to execute that game anymore either. Like, I mean, you look at the back then when you had a run Nogara kicking to touch, right? I know, I know Ben Healy can kick, kick touch as well. But you had a run Nogara kicking to touch and you had Jerry, Jerry Fannery throwing darts in like and never mm. missing his man. You had like someone like the Paul Bull lifting up O'Connell or O'Callaghan. You had a huge tight five mm, there. Yeah. Like, we have a small tight yeah. five at the moment. Like, I mean, look in the second row, the biggest person in the tight five is Klein. Yeah. Ty Burns a small second row. Yeah. Our front row, Dave Klein isn't a big front row. You've got Archer and... Uh, John Ryan John Ryan came in there. there not big tight heads and not international quality tight heads and you'd like Scanlon is struggling for form and has struggled for form for yeah. a number of seasons so mm. you, you can't exclude that game plan anymore it just doesn't work the players aren't there for it No and if you look at right Keane Healy isn't kind of you know he doesn't dominate the loose or make gains like Tyke Furlong was but then you've Dan Sheen again who's like like they utilise him off the back of a mall like he's not going into a mall now he's trying to take it on he's winning gain like so You've now the more modern pop is probably nearly like a back, you know, a back row in a club situation. They're mobile, they're powerful, they're ball players. Now you have a totally different animal that you're playing against, you know. So, mm. look, I think I've took the knife in enough. Really, yeah, I think, that, I, think we should, we, I think we'll move on to the, the right. Six Nations. We will. Uh, <laughs> so before we move on to some more URC you, you games, we're going to look at the women's rugby who played in the er, Ernest Vollon. Stadium in Toulouse yesterday and unfortunately come up against a very strong French team coming on the wrong side of a 40-5 to defeat. Miller. Yeah. Hit us with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, disappointing um, game, I think, for for many reasons, I suppose. Um, we were hoping to see an improvement from the Wales game. I think we had a lot of handling errors. 
we just had an inability to exit. We're trying to play in the wrong areas of the field. And I think, I know they talked about playing a high tempo game and moving the ball, but there's a time and place for that. Um, there was a few different scenarios where we tried to pass it along, run it from deep. Um, France had a full D. We saw like a knock-ons, knock putting ourselves under pressure. Um, a lot of unforced errors. Unforced errors as well. So um, you got to ask, well, is there a lack of confidence? Sometimes there's a lack of confidence or nerves. But um, I think just, as I said, the handling, we gave away a lot of penalties. Our discipline, I think we're, we're, we're definitely missing a Claire Malloy, a, a Kira Griffin type player out there that can turn over the ball. Mm. Like our back row, I think probably doesn't have the balance that we need to have yet. We've got, you know, Adele McMahon, who's a really big tackler. You've got Dorothy Wall, who's a big carrier. We've no ball players, really. Do we? But we're just kind of, I think the balance is missing. I think we're quite a small team. Yeah. Uh, even even our backs, compared to the French backs, we look small. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the try that we created was a lovely, lovely passage play. Went down, you know, the left side, went across. Yeah. And uh, Eve Higgins scored a lovely try. So... Nice passages of play, but we, we, because we're small, we're going to have to figure out a way to play to come up against these big French packs. Like our, you know, our set piece, our scrum was under huge pressure, our line out. I kind of said that before the game, like our area of concern was kind of the scrum, yeah. right? Our line out was kind of a shining mm-hmm. light. We got some really good ball. Sam Monaghan was top um, yeah. line out winner, like at the overall games last weekend with eight. Um, so it was really good ball. So I thought, you know, if we can kick a bit more to territory to touch, you know, that's the game we want to play. Because, you know, uh, you might know this. Ali went and decided to go at sevens. The only time we beat the French most recently in 2017, we won 13. <laughs> I've the French before, and though. And we, back um, in 2013. <laughs> yeah, we used her as motivation. But that day, I remember, the key thing was we, we frustrated France. Yeah. We kept the ball. Our line-out was exceptional. Our scrum was exceptional. Um, and it was a just great day for Irish rugby. You weren't there, sorry to celebrate it. But um, the sitting on the plane in uh, delayed plane in Dublin Airport watching the game, <laughs> I could have played, could have got on the plane. We didn't you actually leave your the bed, next you lying at woman. <laughs> but anyway, the thing about rugby, we said it's a simple game. It was actually fifty-fifty possession. Mm. If I'm, if I'm, I not didn't realise that till afterwards. Um, Fifteen handling errors in the first half. Like I mean, 15, you know what, in the first half, it was dry as well. You know, no matter how well you play there, like when you make those little mistakes like that, like I mean, you're like. That should be the easy part. You're doing the hard work, and then you're knocking the ball on, like, and you're actually set up well as as a team, like, you know, yeah. I mean? and you're and you're you're doing everything else right. And I'm wondering because they played against 11,000 plus. Uh, you played the last time we played in Ireland. I played a lot of times away in that France. That was 2018, yeah. I think. And it's it's a beautiful France is a great place to go. We played in Perpignan as well, and which is near like an amphitheater. Everyone was looking down mm. on you, but it's it's a beautiful energy and buzz, and they're very respectful of rugby itself. You know, now it's a cauldron of. I would think pressure as well if you're not used to it. Um, I think though, I actually think the complete opposite because when we used to go away to France, you'd only have a very handful of uh, Irish supporters. But the fact that you can play in a packed stadium, oh, I loved it. Playing women's mm. rugby and let's call a spade a spade that doesn't often happen. No, you have to thrive off that absolute buzz of the crowd and, energy, and the French and the energy. Um, I just think, yeah, maybe that's an issue because a lot of these girls have played two years of COVID rugby where there's no fans, there's no mm. supporters. 
there is no like the difference in playing in a packed stadium when you're trying to pass out calls or you're trying to communicate. Are you, are you saying that the crowd threw the girls off? Is that what no, you're I, I don't no, know. We're just kind of, I suppose, trying to figure out. So to me, no, that's what I'm saying. No, like, not yeah. sure. Like what I'm saying is, you actually should thrive on that. Oh yeah. Like yeah. as in, yeah. I like as what I'm saying when we went to play against France all those years, even though it was only a handful of. Irish supporters I loved playing yeah. mm. 20,000 French and the, the music it's and probably the, your personality though you, yeah, 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 you, you, you are making a good, you're making I, a good I point there the as well. pressure yeah. like I absolutely yeah. like mm. yes we've got a massive well. oh, you're probably the same love, yeah. like the yeah. more people the better like the higher the pressure the better I felt like Conor McGregor bring it on I mean the bigger the occasion the bigger the spectacle but I just think we had we had again we saw it in the Wales game the ability to defend them all is an issue. And it has been an issue in... I thought we did better because we, we actually did, but didn't it's throw a pod up. In the women's game now with Ireland for the last number of years. It's just not something we've we've done well. Um, well, you see, because we're small, I think we have to kill them all at source. Mm-hmm. So we now have to take out the two lifters. We have to try and sack and you have to try and buy yourself a bit of time. The fact that we stayed down and we kind of hit grand... But France did very well. They kind of sucked the pressure and then they just drove. The same mm. with some of our better scrums. They just took the pressure mm. and then drove. Like we're, we're sorry, yeah, we're, we're a small team. So as I said, we're going to have to be technically really good in that scrum. Now, I was a winger, so let, mm. I'm not going to try and tell any front rows how to play or the tight. But I think we need to get technically really, really good. If we're going to be a small team, we've got to move teams around the park. Uh, but we have to be smart. We've got to learn to exit better. We've got to learn to tr- control our possession. We've got to learn not to be giving away the penalties, secure our up ball, those handling errors. Like our set piece, our scrum or line out, we're under pressure. Well, I think scrum set piece, uh, scrum D, uh, we kind of were slow to react. Mm. But um, is that an issue, guys, if we're looking at the fact that, I mean, Ireland are still an amateur team and France are essentially professional now. You're talking about technicalities. Technicalities in rugby like mm-hmm. comes down to full time. It comes down to elite level coaching on a regular basis. You need that non-stop. Well, and France maybe are getting that more so. That's the that problem. Before the girls go into the whole professionalism thing, what I thought looking at the game yesterday, I thought Ireland look undercooked in a coaching sense. I think you need more time coached Nearly full, like, can the girls get in more? Um, you're saying, for, do we need a day and a half analysis? Yeah, that's up to your RFU. That's up to half in camp. In yeah, camp, that's up to your RFU, so it's unfair for us to be criticising them so much. Yeah, because I thought they looked scattered defensively and they were opened up way too easy by the French on a lot of occasions. They were getting all sucked into the ball and they were just, French were just finding gaps way too easy, which just seems to be a coaching problem rather than a player problem. But I suppose the issue is, I think Ireland have leeway this year because we are a year ahead of every other team in terms of trying to develop our team because we're not going to the World Cup. Yes. And like, you know, we, I always am mindful there's been so much negativity around women's rugby the last number of years. It's just negative story after negative story. So we want to get behind and encourage this team and like help them get better. Mm. And like there's some brilliant players out there, but they've only had three weekends exactly, to prepare for the Six saying. Nations yeah. Yeah. just need more time a, a really good French team who are at a different stage of their development who are going to a World Cup who are contenders for a World Cup let's not um, say not that they are they bet New Zealand twice um, but um, like we just have to get behind the team but we also have to just look at things that didn't go well as well and just try and figure out how is the best way for this team to go forward? Because we've got some really, really good players out there 
uh, that we want to utilize. I'd love to see like our wingers coming off their wing more because in the modern game, as any winger know, you probably don't get as many opportunities as you would have got 10 years ago. So sometimes getting in off your wing, roaming, running your ghost lines off your yeah. nine and 10, trailing yeah. your 12, get those Baven Parsons, Amy Lee, Murphy Crow, but that is all off your wing, especially when you're down 30 points in a game, you've nothing to lose. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Well, I think firstly, I think if any of the girls are listening, and anyone else is listening if you want to support the girls it is it, you know they do need a lot of love right now because yeah. mm. I have been there you've been there <laughs> we've been there it's not a nice place to be mm. I know how hard these girls work and we need time and patience and we are sending a lot of love to a very tough day yesterday mm. and we're always proud of you so that's a big message exactly. to you the other thing is I do think we need to start looking at retainer contracts I'm sorry I'm not mm. going to I'm not going to sugarcoat this I've mm. been 20 years in elite sport and I'm not going to say my opinion or is shouldn't be valued because if you go into camp for a day and a half and mm. you're right our our defence was poor we didn't come off the scrum well enough we, we look at players making decisions who's taken a French player then we need to cut off the space so it's little things that would have saved us some tries yesterday and cut that scoreline down for the girls to go back to work Monday be mm. back in camp on Wednesday afternoon fly to France Thursday I don't know how mentally nor physically you're going to review from Wales and feed into number three in the world it just doesn't work it's not conducive to what we're trying to do here and we have to be fair on them mm. especially in I think you're right I think we're at the bottom of the mountain right now and we are a year ahead however and this is going to be the best learning it's not going to be easy learning it's going to be the best learning it's going to be so transparent of what we need to do but if we don't get test games if we don't get more camps if we don't actually educate the players how they're going to learn it doesn't matter about this year because we're going to be no further ahead if we don't use the year and these learnings to the best of our ability to facilitate the girls to be the best well I agree with you because I have been ever since I retired (laughs) I've been saying that the girls need to go whatever professional semi-professional because that's the way the game is going I played sevens uh, for a good few years and I can hand in my heart see how girls came into the programme and actually outperformed their ability. And I became so impressed with certain people because they were training every single day. But we day. can see that with Stacey exactly. and, and Eve and Lee. So like, and you know it yourself. So you can you see know. transformations of players that are playing, that are training full time, that are resting, that aren't working, that aren't actually, sometimes it's the psychological battle of going, oh my God, I have to leave work at five o'clock. Yeah. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. There's people taking my load in my job. You feel guilty. You get on a plane. You have to, like I remember leaving work at four o'clock one day and trying to be on the pitch in Dublin at half five for a session. And mm. I just ran out of school and you're like, what have I left in school? Who's picking up the pieces for me? And then you have to be totally on, on the pitch, like, a, like you know, in a professional attitude and get everything right that you're doing. And that is very mentally taxing. And, you know, you're, you're trying to hold two ends up together and it's really difficult. But as I said, I played sevens. I saw the way girls transformed in that elite environment. So... People will say, professionalism isn't the answer. Okay, there's a lot of things that we need to fix. Grassroots, more girls playing, fix the IL, all these things. But you don't just ignore the top end and improve the bottom end. You have to work both ends. And we will. And it's a big review. But what do we do now? What what should be done now between... Because we have a big must-win, really, Mm. against Italy next week. It's home and Musgrave, anyone's around Cork. Get your tickets, get your bums on seats. Support the girls. But, like, to come off that... They're very disheartened, I know, by them. Very little short time. They probably won't go into camp until Thursday. They're back to work tomorrow. Do you know what I'm what, what do we do? Sometimes, do know what I, mean? yeah. sometimes I actually nuts. think in this, less is more on their feet. I think so. So 
what I actually think maybe what has gotten wrong the last few years is getting the girls in, doing like pitch session, pitch session, pitch session, play when they come from work. Be smarter about it. Get them on the pitch, but walk through, walk runners. through Te- Yeah, technical stuff. More technical, technical stuff. stuff. Yeah. Like don't be like, I don't mean flogging, but you mean they've only got to recover and they're coming from their work. So be smart about how you do like walk through things, yeah. do things not at the same pace because you actually have to try and conserve energy. I, I remember it once or twice <laughs> back in maybe 2019, like getting off a plane, doing a really hard pitch session, a really hard pitch session, a really hard pitch session, and then you're playing at the weekend and you're already tired before you start the game against a professional team. So it's about being really smart, fixing those things in D, fixing those set piece things, but like doing a smart way. Like, yeah. you know, as you're saying, they probably through. only need, like, I think we would have, you know, they probably would have had a performance session before leaving for France. Yeah. Travel takes an awful lot mm. out of you. Um, you have different food, you have different times. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. If, like walkthroughs were great. Um, we what what Greg said there about your defensive position and stuff like that yeah. comes down. You can do that in walkthroughs. You can do that yeah. slowly. Except through your problems in the scrum. That could, that could be done with an analysis, analysis session looking ahead to the next team. There's some video analysis as opposed to let's go out and run the absolute holes off them for two hours. Because you, know you have I mean? to answer the whys. Why did that happen? Yeah. Oh, that's because you. we were slow here, which meant, so say, uh, Doro didn't come off the scrum. Cronin had to bite in. Uh, who was our centre? Stacey, Eve had to bite in, Lee had to come off her wing and now the fullback has to come into the line a little bit quicker. It's those decisions as to why the try happened yep. and now it's, you know, you're walking through it and you're, all right, I see. So next of all, they see the same picture against Italy. Exactly. We That's make the decisions yeah. quicker. You know what I mean? I and think a lot of it though is also experience. Like the longer you're playing like 15s, a lot of the guards are coming from 7s, the more they're there in scenarios about how to defend, you know, like how you defend, what is your defensive system, whatever defensive system they're running. Mm. You get more used to that where a lot of these girls are still quite inexperienced in terms yeah. of doing that. So that, that takes a bit of time as well. As you know, the sevens game is completely different. Yeah. Well, defensive system, completely different. Yeah, well, that's the thing for me. It was systematic errors yesterday yeah. and investigations happened and there's implementations coming. Coaches, new girls, whatever, new squad. You can't be expected to just turn it on like that. Like no. You need time to get exactly. it on the pitch training, going through analysis, and they need to, or if you need to, if they're going to expect you to go up against a French professional team, they need to match the build-up into that game that the French would be doing. Yeah, do and I mean? think you've hit the nail on the head here, right? The review was very key before we started our Six Nations. Yeah. It's even more essential now. And what's even more essential than that now is the implementation yeah. plan going forward. That is the key to the success of the national team now. And then we'll wait for review too for the grassroots. Because I am like no doubt, Miller. we have less player numbers we have a smaller player, but, but I know the Irish girls can Are be competitive. Yes. We, we could be anyone in the world if we get things right and we, you know, do things the right way and be smart. We have to be smarter, more imaginative and more creative about how we do things. Yeah. Well, they were great. Yes. Stacey Flood was incredible yesterday. Yeah. I think Eve Higgins was good. Eve Higgins Lee, was really good. Lucy was good. Yeah. Um, I don't know all of the fours by names, but some of them really impressed. Sam like, Monaghan has yeah. been a revelation. I think she has been the standout player. Yeah. She's she exceptional. Was, and Linda. She was tagged over 12 months ago. Yeah. Just FYI. So <laughs> <laughs> Look, lads, I think we, we could talk about yeah. this all day. We really could. Like, but Did you feel the passion there? I did. I know, I did. It's great to see it. But uh, I think we'll, we'll take a short break from the analysis yeah, yeah. now and we're going to move into some questions from our fans <laughs> and from us for you. <laughs> Nothing too serious like now. Oh, they're actually fine. They're actually fine. I mean, you've had a pretty decent career. 47 times, capped for the 15s, 24 tries. 
22 tries in 35 matches for the Sevens. You've two Six Nations medals, including a Grand Slam. So not a bad career. <laughs> so based on that, who was your most influential teammate at any level? It can't be Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> so... Look, I look, think let me introduce you to my little friend <laughs> um, I suppose I took up rugby at a quite a late age um, I did athletics and I played Gaelic football and when I came into the Irish setup, I was very raw but I was very athletic so I was able to manage but I think of all people probably Lynn Cantwell because she was so knowledgeable about rugby the, the girl obviously is high performance manager in South Africa women's rugby now she's a wealth of information she was a really smart player she was a really good rugby brain. So she was able to help, you know, nearly coach you nearly as well and have you in the right places and instill confidence in you. Like I, I, when I started playing rugby, I didn't really think I was much good. And she'd be like, you can beat anyone in the world. And just kind of giving you, throw the shackles off. She'd be like, when you get the ball, do whatever you want because mm-hmm. you, you will actually beat people. And I think it was giving you that license to go out there or, even early on in my career, we had certain coaches like, get off your wing, go roaming, get that ball. And when you're starting off, it's actually learning to come off your wing and learn to pick those right opportunities and get and then get back to your wing if the ball comes back. It's, it's, it's a bit of a technique. You have to learn yeah. when you go, when you don't go, when you come back. So given the license to do that um, from people like Lynn Cantwell, definitely, I think she was um, definitely helped me in my career early on. Yeah. Because she was a back. I mean, there was forwards too, but she mm. played 13. I was a winger. We had a, like a very close relationship on the field in different ways. So, uh, Lynn Cantwell. Christoph. Yeah. Christoph. And, I can't um, believe you didn't pick me. <laughs> <laughs> you were like him. <laughs> One of the uh, things you're most known for and is um, a goal of any rugby player growing up is you scored a winning try against New Zealand in the 2014 World Cup. Um, can you describe us that what that was like? Amazing, I'm sure. Yeah, I think um, it's funny. We went into that World Cup <laughs> expecting to beat New Zealand. I know that sounds quite... But we all summer talked about beating New Zealand because we had no option. If we didn't beat New Zealand, the way the Women's World Cup was then, you had to win your three games to get into a semi-final. If you don't, <laughs> you're you're out, essentially, of that competitive phase. So we talked about beating New Zealand. We knew we'd be fitter than them. So we went into that game, I suppose, with no pressure because no one expected us to beat them. And we went in confident. So... Um, like I knew early on in the game, I had, I, I had, I, what's the word? On my other winger, I had the, what's the word I'm looking for? The upper hand. The upper hand on my winger and I was getting a lot of meters. I was playing well. Um, you know, even though 1 to 15, they're so threatening, even their props with their feet, they're just, you know, they're, they're frightening. But I remember uh, Neve Briggs, me and Neve Briggs had a great relationship on the field. We went back to playing uh, back in WIT years ago. So we had a, you know, like I knew once she got the ball, that like something could happen. So, to get over in that left-hand corner at that stage in the game was really, really special because, um, you know, they were the best team in the world at the time. Um, obviously, from 1 to 15, every play played really well, but the score against New Zealand in the World Cup was very special. And I, I think it's a lot of people took up rugby because of that game. So it's your just, favorite, favorite try? It's not my, it's not like, it's probably not the best try I've scored. Like I've scored better tries that were probably more spe- spectacular, but the, occasion. It, 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 the context, it was an yeah. important game. It was a must-win game and it was... A time in the game we needed to score a try, so it was a high, highly pressurized game at a at a pressurized time in the game when yes, we needed to score. Yeah, so mm. it me- meant more, you know. That's so cool. the kicking and decision making in that game, and I remember watching it. And it was probably one of the. It was actually one of the games because I remember rushing home from work to see your semi final against England, um, 
but it was a buy-in for me anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did love, always exposed to men's rugby, um, unfortunately, but that was the glimpse I got of the women. And I mm. thought uh, Briggs is kicking and control of the game. Yeah, and she the kicked like a, She was exceptional Unbelievable kick from the, the side manager. That. You know, often men you see miss, like, so she was an exceptional kicker. Like. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, interesting one here, actually, like, cause you, you mentioned it in, in, your, in the first question that you didn't take up rugby to the early 20s. Based on everything we've said now about trying to grow the women's game from the club game the yeah. whole way up, any advice you would give to someone, a woman to come in, who com- would come into the game now at that age now, if they came in in their 20s as opposed to coming in the whole way up? Like, it's not the easiest thing to do, but if you've got the right attitude, like, I was lucky, my now husband, is a rugby player. He played for Carlo in the AL. He played underage for Leinster. So I accepted that I didn't know a lot of stuff. So I went in there with an open mind. And I think because I went in there with an open mind going, I don't know a lot of this. And used him constantly. He'd come watch the matches. He'd yeah. give me feedback. Like a sponge. So yeah, it's harder to do taking it off at that late age. But if you've got the right attitude and you're willing to learn, you can pretty much like decide you're going to, you're going to do it. Mm. So like, this sounds might sound really cocky, but when I started going out with him back when I was 25, I said, I'm going to play for Ireland. And he kind of looked at me like, who's your one? <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I did because I had the attitude to go do it. I knew physically I could do it. I mean, I had to go. But you have to have that attitude. Otherwise, you never would have met Exactly. It. Yeah. Which I learned the game back to front. So I went and played the game and figured, learned it back to front, learned <laughs> the sales. Yeah. And, but I mean, also, I played at a lower level for a while, I think did suit me so I played we I my first club was Port Leash and we played in the development league yeah so people will often say um there is a time and a place to to play at the right standard for you so for that first year for me that was good because I figured out things I learned the rules I learned different things and then I went and played for Connacht and I was thrown on the deep end but you got to have a mentality it was either sink or swim for me at that international level I was either going to like play and get dropped or play and survive and I survived so I mean I think if you're athletic out there and you think you can do it go join your local club I, I mean I, I'm a big advocate I think there should be someone in the right a few um, a full-time scout that goes around to the lower divisions around Ireland because that's where I came from I've been involved with um, a lot of my friends play for Twilo Women so they'd often ask me to do a session and by god the talent down there mm. a lot of unpolished diamonds in the rough that could just be fantastic rugby players but they come from Gaelic football or soccer and they play it in their off season but there's probably talent all around Ireland in those small clubs that we could harness and get mm. them in and you know um, see where they go obviously you want girls playing how would you do it how, if you were you to talk it, you could do it like the IQ thing we have with yeah. the men's team where they go off and they look for yeah. players that are eligible in other countries and we've got a lot of players that have come in I mean that, I, like. I, what kind of infuriates me we do it in England why don't we do yeah. it here yeah. I mean you might get no one you yeah. might get one. There's regional development officers that go around to all the clubs around the country yeah. in a couple of weeks. Like, yeah. so that's how they pick them up. Maybe just need more than I just around. think you should have a dedicated women's one doing mm. a full-time role okay. because it goes around. Because we don't have a huge player uh, number. We and need I've, to grow it. Yeah. yeah, we need to grow up because that's, I came from the lowest division rugby that you can play. And we know when we're going to watch those games because who are you expecting to find in development rugby? No one. Mm. But, I mean... That's where I came from. So I could have, I mean, I went to Leinster Trials then. So the interesting part is I went to Leinster Trials off the, um, off the year of my first, uh, ga- or, God, my first season with Port Leach in Development League. So I went to Leinster Trials, didn't get picked, didn't even get a call back. I knew I was good enough, deep down. So I took the long oh, road. they are kicking themselves. Yeah, <laughs> I took the long road to Connacht. Yeah. And 
I played one match for Connacht and I got selected by the Irish coach to go into camp and that's that and I started the first game of Six Nations and played them all that year in 2010. So I mean, someone like me could have e- been easily missed. I could have said, okay, I'm obviously not going to play for Leinster, yeah. but I suppose that ignorance or whatever it was to know that I had something there that I I could do it. And yeah. so, how many other girls maybe have been missed over the years like that that have? Fair. You know, they they might not be ready yet. Doesn't mean they're not ready in a year or two. That's often the case. I think that's another thing we need to probably fill in the gap. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's AIL, maybe like monthly development yeah. sessions for, for these unpolished diamonds, as you say. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go on to my question, actually, because okay, you mentioned on. the UK. Uh, we've obviously a lot of Irish players plying their trade in the in the premiership yeah. over there. Um, was that ever anything that was, you know, for you to consider or it's on your radar? Before funny, because when I played with the Barbarians in 2019 and a lot of the English girls like, how, Alison, how come you never came, came over to play in England? And I, I don't know. I think it was because I was involved with the Irish Sevens team. Even before the Irish Sevens women went professional, we've been playing Irish women's Sevens since 2012. So even though it wasn't professional, we did weekend camps for a long time. So I think... Being involved in that, I suppose you couldn't be off in England. It would have made life harder. Maybe I'm a bit of a, a bit of a home bird. But for me, I did other things to, to make my game better that didn't involve, like I trained with, uh, I did a lot of skill session with Joy Carberry's father, Joy Senior, their son and their daughter. And I did sessions. I did contact sessions with my husband. I did sessions with UCC men, skill sessions. I did speed sessions with Phil Healy's coach. I just wanted to be the best I could be and okay, so yes, there wasn't skill sessions maybe organised for me or there wasn't speed sessions organised for me. I went and found ways to be better, whatever way I could. Like, you know, so I had friends that played, like I had male friends that played high-level rugby. I used those. I used my husband. I, I did whatever I could to be better. Isn't it funny how that echoes a lot of like you would hear that from a lot of stories of of high high achieving mm. athletes? They they just did ev- things outside the box. Yeah, they didn't just match their opponent. They they did over and beyond. Because I used to wake up and go, okay, what would an English women's rugby player be doing now? So I, you know, found ways to to do things that weren't necessarily no one was telling me or asking me. I wasn't any money for them, but I yeah. found different ways to do it. Like where I could, you know? And I remember, uh, like, training with the UCC men's team and, like, you gotta be, they're so much quicker than you, Sue. We were doing, like, footwork, we were doing evasion things and you gotta be so much more, like, especially in D or an attack, you gotta be more inventive in attack, savvy or faster. So, I think that definitely stood to me and I used my husband for 10 years and, like, he was probably, he should be coaching women's rugby, he knows women's game inside out now from, I suppose, being involved. He's a gentleman. (laughs) Alan, Gally, you're, you're out gentleman. there though. But uh, yeah, he was Tim. So that's how. Incredible. Yeah. Very motivational story that is. You just made it happen, like no excuses. So, so there's a lot to even other sports people listen to this right now. Just get it done. If you want it bad enough, you make it happen. So, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. I know you did athletics, yeah. but I ran for St. Albans Athletic Club in Leash, and it's a real country club. And it was a real club where just get on with it. Whatever yeah, way you uh, have to get good. And it was like, don't wear your fancy gear up here on a rainy night. You know, wear your old clothes. And I think that's deep down in me. We just found a way to compete. And there's been yeah. a lot of successful athletes in that club. So yeah. they definitely taught me something from that. 
Yeah. It's good mentality to have. Exactly. Well, um, as someone who played both sevens and fifteens, I was interested to know how you found transitioning back and forth between the two disciplines, because at the top level, they're essentially different sports. Yeah. Like, And how did you find that? Well, I definitely think there is a certain type of player that can play both. And I think there's certain fifteens backs or back rows that will not suit sevens. And there's certain sevens players who won't suit fifteens, but... You, there's a certain hybrid that does suit it. Yeah. Um, Are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> no need. Oh, actually, someone so like happily. Karen no. Paquin for Canada, yeah, she's the excellent. seven for Canada, but she won't believe a sevens player. Like mm. she, you know, she was a good very example. sound girl. Yeah, and um, I don't know her actually, but I just she's an incredible player. But yeah, so for me, um, what I did find difficult was when I played sevens, I was definitely leaner, and. Um, so when I went back into 15s at times, I probably felt I was a bit lean, too lean for the game of 15s. I think sometimes, you know, you're going on the seven circuit, you have all this space and, you know, you're able to, to, to evade people. And, you know, like it's hard to defend on sevens. You know, like it's, I mean, seven people on the field, missed tackles happen all the time. And it's not that people are bad defenders. It's just, you've got so much space. Like you're going to, that's going to happen. So I think when you come back into 15s, you think you're going to be, oh, I'm in, I'm in flying form. Mm. I am absolutely. I'm going to come in here and, and then you, you come up against the reality of that hard line, the reality of that lack of space. So I think, um, it was challenging for me. I started playing 15s before I played seven. So I had my positioning nailed. I had now defensive systems changed over the years and you'll have different types of, um, ways that, you know, what, what way you'll play and the back three will play how you'll play and I've played different systems but I knew them so I was able to slot back in and I'm a physical I was always a physical sevens player as well so I probably suited both games but yeah it, it was difficult I don't miss being tackled by you by the way <laughs> holy lord you know, which one did you prefer sevens or fifteens um, I probably preferred fifteens in the fact I, I love sevens and I loved I love the fitness element of it having to be fit I wasn't like I loved athletics so I loved the challenging how fit you had to be if sevens could have I don't know how this could be happened but if sevens could have been longer I know that's like you can't imagine it being longer the match but, yeah. are you nuts no I know but to <laughs> me it just felt like sometimes <laughs> she is actually yeah, I <laughs> have, the finals used to be 10 minutes half and they got rid of that because it was too much I know but I think at times it just felt like the game was over before you were you knew it and a bit of luck could come in and the team would win. And I often think in seven, sometimes... Bounce of a ball changes the game. Bounce of a ball changes yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah. But um, I prefer the, the lead up to the 15s, like that, the lead up to the week, the big game, the supporters. I think te- people don't follow a sevens team around the world the same way they follow a 15s. So you think you miss yeah. that. But I did love, like, for me, the sevens was about Olympics and you got to go to, <laughs> go to the Olympics. For me... The Olympic hero himself. Yeah, in like studio. you're so lucky. Like you, no one can take that away from you. You're. Have you got your tattoo? I do. It's on my calf. Yeah. But I think you can have a picture with it. On the show. <laughs> for me, I always wanted to go to the Olympics as an athlete, and that's why I played sevens. It's about the Olympics for me. My so, retirement, so Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the oldest sevens player going. Um, but I think for me, the sevens is about the Olympics, and if I 
could if we qualified for a Rio in 2016, which I think we could have, yeah. I would have been so happy to leave sevens and play 15s, you know, but yeah. I'm jealous of you. Uh, no, but you've done some amazing. Scoring against New Zealand in the World Cup yeah. now is pretty cool, so yeah. um, don't be saying that. Yeah. Well, look, that was great. Hope you enjoyed that. That's, yeah. that's too hard. It's, it's handy old questions. We're not, things didn't go too hard in your shoes. No, she didn't. Surprisingly, not surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I uh, wanted we, to, but I felt I gave you two enough We'll get back to the URC. We're going to whiz through the rest of it, obviously, because uh, we spent so much time with uh, the passion me and Greg had for Munster and the passion you two had for the women's game. Yeah. But uh, we still have to talk about uh, poor old Ulster. Uh, disappointing defeat for them, 34 16. Um, that's two losses now in South Africa. South African teams are proven like every week they are tough to beat at home. But big talk about in that game was a yellow card for uh, Kieran Treadwell in the 65th minute. I, don't know I, if thought, it that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was harsh. Yeah, I thought it was harsh. Um, like the consistency of the mitigating factors with the with these high tackles is, you know, bent legs of the player making the tackle. Mm. And like he's a big man, his legs were bent, he looked in good position. He did hit the ball and to me the knock on of that, the impact of that just kind of drove him up. He showed him in contact with the ball. Exactly, you don't see his <laughs> legs driving the force up. So I thought, to be honest, like that's two games now it's been marred with controversy for poor Ulster. Mm. Like the referee, um, had referees committee last week or have apologised for last week's non-try uh, which would have won them the game but I still don't think they should have started so as bad what, as they had but what, what consolation add five points onto their score so maybe yeah. that changes it you know I mean? it's like what's coming out <laughs> giving an apology for like, I think there were honestly. two big moments in that game that really didn't help um, I suppose <laughs> the pass to Lowry that do you remember that in the Ulster game and then the winger scored uh, well, um, uh, Nathan Toke gave, yeah, he gave and it four. It, so Larry was under huge pressure and then the winger scored and then obviously the intercept try at the end, yeah. I think. Yeah. There were two huge moments in the game. See, that's the thing for me. I, it, look, it's a top place to go. I think the South African teams are playing extremely mm. well at the moment. They're obviously chasing for playoff places. But the thing is, I think if we're if I'm probably honest and hopefully Stephen Ferris is not still angry yesterday looking at this, but I think they still had I still think they had the win in the both games if they oh, kind yeah. of... Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, errors, errors are penalties in discipline. Yeah. The yeah. yellow card was massive. Should it, um, Bull scored a rolling mall try when Tread was off. That's that's a big moment. Mm. I thought Nathan Doak was good yesterday. Mm. Again. He's excellent and then he went from 9 to 10 so yeah. it shows his uh, adaptability when Cooney came on at 9. I, exactly. Um, his kicking was incredible. Yeah. Putting yeah. him over from the halfway line. I know he's in South Africa where the air's a little bit thinner down there isn't it? but still like mm. hitting those um, I can see him getting into an Irish shirt for New Zealand this summer I I'd like to see him same with Jamie yeah. O'Brien getting those chances to go down yeah. 100% Definitely. Yeah. you have to start rewarding these guys for how well they're playing yeah because otherwise they lose confidence and you know you don't want them moving you want them staying with Irish provinces getting yeah. into an Irish jersey exactly um, Yeah. I think the big question to take out of that game guys so obviously they've lost in South Africa back to back but did a big win against Leinster before that <coughs> had a very good season absolutely next up is uh, the small matter of Toulouse in the Champions Cup. I mean, uh, we all know how good Toulouse are. They're absolutely ridiculous, like, right? But we know Ulster, at the top, when they're playing their best, are a very good side. Can, do they have hope? To, can, can they overturn them? I think they will have hope, right? But I think if they take the two games down in South Africa, mm. they're in discipline, the poor decisions... They will not get away with that. They will be punished against Toulouse. So if they can continue to play the expansive, um, electrifying rugby that they've been playing over this season, had some big scalps, they had a bit of blip over the last two weeks, take the blips, take the learning, use them going in, just fine-tune your game for playoff rugby now. I think it could be an upset. I think it's a long shot. 
But I think if they can make those improvements going forward, because there will be no margin for error against Dupont. <laughs> what do you think, Greg? Co. Dupont and Entomac. I don't think Ulster. <laughs> I don't think Ulster have a chance in Toulouse. Maybe back in um, is it Kingspan or Ravenhill? What did they call Kingspan, it? Yeah, Kingspan, Kingspan, Kingspan. Yeah, I think they might do arrive to have a full team available, um, as you said, because they beat Leinster a couple of weeks ago. Leinster incredible. Toulouse lost the cast at the weekend. Yeah. Um, so they're vulnerable, but I just don't think you're going to beat them in Toulouse. <sighs> what do you think? Just embrace the underdog. Go out there. Yeah, and, exactly. I mean, oh, got to the guy. Yeah. So. Pun intended. Pun intended. Pun intended. Pun intended. Now, moving on and following two heavy defeats, uh, Connacht scraped a win away to Benetton. What do we think? <laughs> yeah, Benetton are playing well. I just think it's mad to be that close. Like, the, what, they win by four points, 21-17. Um, Benetton did well. Like, Connacht were lucky to, to win that game. Yeah. yeah, oh, I see. Like, they started off so well, what, third seconds of the clock, Keen Prendergast goes through a little yeah. gap right on the gain line. They're the passes we like. He didn't need a support either. He didn't. He's, I tell you, he's playing well. He's another man I think deserves an opportunity down in New Zealand. Um, I think he's having a great season. I know he's been brought into camp as a development player, but he had a lot of work to do to finish that, and he showed good pace and good legs. Mm. He did get yellow carded, so he kind of had a bittersweet <laughs> and... Um, kind of summed up the last couple of weeks really hasn't it for Connacht you know do some really good things and then do things that really get punished for them mm. but look yeah. Benetton had their internationals back See, it's not to take away from Benetton Benetton have a lot of internationals they're coming off the back of their first Six Nations win in what seven years mm. against Wales they're flying yeah. high Connacht had I know Connacht had Mac Hansen and Finney Beelan back no Bundyaki but you still you're going over to Italy you've got them in Dave and like the, even the Italian captain was playing you know what I mean yeah, it's still a win, like, and uh, you know and what I mean. The back in contention. That's it. So. Back yeah, on the saddle. You know? Probably have to start thinking of them as, as not an easy win over there. That's the thing, yeah. They've probably improving over the last few years, and we're probably still judging them yeah. on being Italian when yeah. they've probably actually improved. But that was realising, you know. Well, we so. did McKinley last week, and he, he yeah. kind of said the same. Yeah. Us, that Benetton are really putting in, even though they've no academy. Do you yeah. know they're actually they're doing well and they're attracting players. So yeah. confidence breeds, you know. We said it on the show a few times at this stage. Benetton have won a trophy more recently than Ulster. Monster and Connacht yeah. we're in the way in a cup like so I mean, they, yeah. they, do you know what I mean they might surprise us over the next few years we won't <laughs> see them coming <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly exactly but um, do we think Connacht can overturn Leinster over two legs like, I mean we know they can grind them down and perhaps get a win in the sports ground but can they keep them out then and get an aggregate win once they get up, once they get into Dublin not where you've got full strength yeah. yeah full strength Leinster you're in the Aviva it's a dry day We've seen glimpses of when they went into fifth gear, you know, last night against Munster and they're just, they have so many options to score. Um, and they, their, their conversion rate in the, in the green zone to convert. Connor actually have a game plan though, that's the difference here. So might actually help them, you know. No, they generally seem but they do generally seem to have a game plan. Andy Friend actually is, is doing good things at Connor. I think they'll frustrate them. There is a chance there from, yeah. I think they'll frustrate them. I think they won't make it easy. But do I think Leinster overall will have a problem with them? No. No offence. Sorry, no, I think Connacht, I these words. Connacht definitely need Bundy a key back in the centre. Yeah. If they're going to have any chance in the sports ground, they're probably going to need to be a wet day. They might get a win there, but I, I can't see them winning in Dublin either. But then the style of Connacht play, sometimes you wonder a different pitch. Like that sports ground is a not, I, I don't like playing on it, never like playing yeah. on its heavy pitch. The style they play is quite expansive. So sometimes you think on a different pitch, like, how would they play like mm. I know you're saying wet like traditionally come up yeah. to Connacht play in absolute terrible weather bring teams yeah. over but they're not the same, that team anymore <coughs> no they're a different team yeah. they play a different yeah. style so sometimes yeah. I actually think I'm saying it more so to notify Leinster's attack yeah and I, yeah. I know what you're saying as yeah. well but I often think you know if a different pitch and Connacht could they you know with their style of play suit you know a nicer ground 
Yeah. I don't know. She's yeah, it's not to take away. I think Con- like Connacht have shown glimpses of, of being just of consistency with Connacht. I think. Yeah, but I think they need everything to go right. Yeah. I think they need a full team. I think yeah. they need a performance. I think they need the refereeing to go right and yeah. and Leinster to have an off day. Yeah, I think, think that's about, just yeah. the story. Though. They have Jack Harty and Caelan Blade playing well at their yeah. halfbacks. Mm. So Connor yeah. Oliver is going to play well regardless. Mm. Keen Prendergast at six. Yeah. Bundy in the centre. Yeah. Matt Hansen, absolutely Matt fine. Hansen, that's a nice spine of a team there. It is. No, they've great players. I think it just. Have to because show. of their depth and then depth, they've yeah. been inconsistent at yeah. times let's be yeah. honest you know they go through periods of being consistent and then they've they've obviously had a or they, they shoot their themselves back. in the foot they could be you know leading the game and then they'll yes it's a bit of small margin. margins for them but they yeah. haven't got as deep a squad and maybe the experience and all that so I think yes they're uh, you know they're a formidable opposition and they can bring threats but I just don't think I think they need everything to go right over two legs yeah, yeah. they do hopefully, so. hopefully it does go well if we go again oh here That's we go so, so yeah, summarise yeah. we reckon Munster are probably going to lose Exeter we reckon ah, come on, Ulster <laughs> have a slight chance of beating Toulouse and more than likely it'll be Leinster I think Connacht. I think Munster will do alright in Tone Park against Exeter uh, what about Sandy Park? Ah, we live there. <laughs> and so we'll round up the, 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 the rest of the URC games out over the weekend. Uh, unfortunately for Italian rugby, I know Ben and Tanner doing well, but another heavy defeat for Zebra. They lost 40 12 to Glasgow Warriors. Uh, the Sharks, another win for the South African sides at home. They demolished the Dragons 51 3. Uh, Edinburgh, I don't they got a win last week in South Africa. The only, actually the only team to get a win. Yeah. Out of all of them, but unfortunately they couldn't Enough. make it too. La- lost 15 0 to the Lions. The Stormers beat the Ospreys. Uh, 29-13 and Scarlet's defeated Cardiff 35-20 so another cracking week of URC action Absolutely. 14 out of so that's 14 out of the 15 home games in recent weeks the South African teams have won they scored wow. 72 tries to the opposition is 25 they're exciting to watch aren't they they are exciting that's some to watch. stat 14 out of 15 wins for South African teams yeah so when they were whipped yeah. it's amazing they're, it? they're in contention so for for move for the the, the knockout yeah, stage I think Bulls likely. are only five points behind fourth place. Yeah, yeah. So it's amazing. Right. Stormers yeah. up there as well. Yeah, the good South African team in the playoffs. Even though that might mess up Munster's chances. <laughs> <laughs> Munster and the South African team, and then Ulster and NCAA. That's what <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. You're <laughs> all right with that. Are you happy with that? Yeah. Everyone listening out there. <laughs> <laughs> to finish up, guys, we have got some rugby news. Um, funny one to start off with. Uh, Paul Raj got a, a slap on the sidelines in the top 14 the weekend. Um, uh, Bordeaux Beglers coach Christoph Urios, who interesting, they're playing in the European Cup. But yes. I don't know if you notice, if you've seen before, in the top 14, it's like the same way as in soccer. So the coaches are actually yeah. down in their little technical area and things got a little heated. Like, and the two of them were, I think he was shouting at him in French anyway. I don't know, it was Cork French anyway. But <laughs> well, he, he got was it all, keeping it large anyway. It wasn't quite a Will Smith slap, but he did give him a little bit of a. Such a little French slap to the face, <laughs> like, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I say well, Rogers was boiling his blood that you could see him screaming. Something happened on the pitch and he was just screaming in his face. But I'd love to know what was said between the two of them anyway, like and yeah. like what's gonna happen now, like the fact that they're they're playing each other twice now back to back in the in the European Cup. I wonder will the next lap be a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's something I'd like to see though, and obviously not to slap him purple. I would like to see like more rugby coaches using that technical area like they do in France because yeah, I said like that. I love it in soccer. Mm. Like you look at it in soccer, the likes of clapping them. Like it's probably the best thing about Liverpool matches is watching clap go crazy in the side. Absolutely, the passion you know? come through and their personality, and we don't get to see that probably enough. Yeah, it's always camera up to the box behind mm. glass and they're the little perspectives and they're hitting their laptops all yeah. professional and 
very old fashioned, but come on, get down there. Trust me, slaps. Let's, let's get it going. <laughs> we don't condone slapping in the show. No slapping, sorry, no. sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, another big bit of news there was um, the, the Munster Ranch withdrawing the motion to recognise women's ale clubs and players as senior. And I know you've got a bit of info on that and you were chatting to people about us who might be able to give us a bit more. Yes, yeah, so <clears> to <throat> change a bylaw when, it's, when it goes to vote, so they wanted to change a bylaw recognising, uh, which is in line with the other three provinces. So recognising clubs that have women's AIL teams. So anyone who's, it's normally men's teams that have AIL one and two, they're regarded as senior clubs. But if your women's team is AIL, but your men's team isn't, you're not regarded as a senior club, which has a huge impact on your ticket allocation, which means money, which means more sponsorship, which means you can invest in your rugby and develop your club. So this wasn't going to pass. You have to have two thirds majority for a bylaw change. And it got pulled at the 11th hour. Now, considering that that most that bylaw <coughs> in, in, in Ulster, Leinster and Connacht, mm. that's a huge backward step for, for Munster Rugby. Massive. And I think it was a huge impact on Ballancolic who have come up to the AIL and to keep up with the rest of the teams um, like we've seen the AIL split this year after Christmas mm. into the top four nearly and then then the kind of a bottom six um, like clubs like Ballancolic need investment you know they need investment to develop their players and to keep up with the rest of the league and I just think it's it's sad considering we've seen we're just we just don't need to be in the news for the wrong reasons now and I think the biggest area of growth is women's participation mm. and we need to recognise that so and can I ask, is there anything that can be done? I'm really bad at the ins and outs of all these committees and this and that, but yeah. is there anything to, that can be done now by the RFU? Just, well, see, it comes back. Great question, Ali, because like I'm probably only learning this. You've kind of, you, we never would recognise that as players because, you know, there's people looking after us and making these decisions. But, you know, there's, you know, there's representative committees that don't have, it doesn't necessarily have to be a female, but we have to have the right, whether it's female or male, the right people in the right, you know, right committees making the decisions for the betterment of the players, the clubs, the leagues, the women's games. So uh, there is a huge impact in all areas when these votes are made, you know. Mm. Um, so we, we do need changes. I know it's slow to come. I know it's easy for me to say, um, but you know, we have seen now where we're at chatting about the women's game. Mm. We need to start making changes up along. We need right players, right people in the right decisions. You know, yeah. And I think an interesting thing is, I think women's clubs, like I've seen certain women take up rugby where the men or the boys in that house were traditionally GA or soccer, would yeah. never have considered rugby. But then their younger brothers saw their sisters playing yeah. and got into rugby and became really, really good rugby players. Yeah. So it actually has a knock-on benefit well, look, for you men's rugby. Tunnel and you've Alex O'Brien. Alex never probably gets a mention under the yeah, shadow Sean, of her yeah. brother Sean. Um, we haven't mentioned your 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 late father Bobby Miller, who's mm-hmm. a great GA man and would be so proud, you mm-hmm. know, uh, watching you go down a pitch. So, yeah, but just the dynamic. Is, is this just the clubs in general? So it's like this will be the club, as in it wouldn't be specific, say if it's UL Bowls uh, women in, in Munster. Would it be specifically UL Bowls women who are getting the vote here, or is it the, the club itself? The club itself. If it's the club itself, and that's something I won't get into too much detail because yeah, I could do another full show on it. Yeah. Greg will tell you the exact same thing. Like, and you just said there in Leinster, Ulster, and Connacht has been passed yeah. for a long time, and it, it it it's it's worked its way up to the provincial setup as well. Yeah. There's a massive problem in Munster with a, an old-fashioned mentality of yeah. the way they run clubs in Munster and the way the way things work and the way everyone kind of uh, the alakadoos, the old mm-hmm. fogies, as we call them. Huge problems in Munster for a very long time, and that's probably what it comes back to backwards thinking people in positions people I'm on a committee myself with a junior club at a club that we started a few years ago and I've dealt with the Munster branch so many times setting up the club and like just everything that to do with financial to do with just dealing with the whole setup as a whole yeah and it's, it's, just, along, it's, it? it's 
backwards. It's old-fashioned, and it's a huge problem in the club game in in in, in Munster. In and general. you use you lose the genuine people, then, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Like you're knocking your head against the wall. Like you're yeah. trying to. Set we can't up get a referees in Munster at the moment because no one wants to referee. Like there, there's. There's guys coming out like there's Johnny Lacey was Johnny Lacey is a former international mm. test referee who's refereed New Zealand, Australia, mm. he's refereed World Cups. He was out refereeing under 18s games there and under 13s there recently. George Clancy as well. All these guys out refereeing because no one wants to referee in Munster at the moment. So there's like you can you know yeah. there has to be a problem there like and it is it like it so it's reflected example. on the professional game as well like because there's a disconnect there with the clubs and the province as well and it's a mess down there like and as you said as you said with the women's game if you don't start on the bottom and if there's problems mm. on the bottom things ain't going to go well up top no because it's got, there's going to be a breakdown somewhere there in the middle I think I just I'd like like people to think differently about it as like as I said I have seen men and boys that never considered rugby oh it's not a gender thing and no. but their sisters played in clubs yeah. and then they joined that club and then yes. some of them became professional but they would have not considered rugby until their sisters had so you're opening up rugby to completely different new 100% uh, yeah new, new areas and new families so like, and yeah. I mean yeah so you mightn't like having your women play in your club but you could end up getting loads of male players that were never looked rugby before having yeah. a women's team it's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. I've met so many supportive <clears throat> older men in committees that are yeah, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. So they're yeah, there we too, need to give a know. shout out to the people who oh, do work. There's some absolutely brilliant absolutely people, but there is a lot of people in there that 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 are are still in that that. They just old need to mindset. change their mindset. Just need to change and get with the time sides and like let rugby needs to evolve and rugby mm. needs to grow as a sport yeah. around the world and everywhere. And like for something like this, like to to, to happen, is just crazy. Like considering how far we've tried to come in the last couple Absolutely. of years with the women's game but uh, one but a final bit of more news we have to end on another poor dampener with uh, Spain uh, we have yeah, to bring it up like, because we, we have to bring it up because this is the second time they've done it like the last time around Russia ended up being in our group in the in the World Cup like, so they're supposed to be in our group for this for, for the World Cup next year but they're after getting caught now with another player eligible what do you make of that Greg? is it the same rule after breaking again? same rule they basically had a player that was uh, wasn't eligible like, like so obviously they brought in for a different country what are the managers doing like do you have siestas <laughs> like look at the eligibility of each player I think like. there's a language barrier honestly <laughs> like that's, that's someone in, in the boardroom's job now to make sure that's like that's not a player issue like and think of how heartbroken those players are I'm saying all the work they did like and yeah. as we mentioned they're on the front page of the Spanish newspaper for the first oh, time in like 10 years imagine being in both World Cup campaigns as well yeah. getting taken away from can them. I ask a question then what if a player gets caught for performance enhancing drugs would, would I don't would think I, that's the same because it's, it's eligibility comes down yeah, to that's the though. players we don't the players on us and then obviously the coaches oh, wouldn't be aware yeah, in that situation scenario yeah. it's an ad, and it's an admin it's, error there where they yeah, should know yeah. you ain't eligible it's to the federation yeah you know it's just disappointing for them, isn't it? it's just disappointing for them but uh, lads unfortunately that's all we've got time for this week Alison did you enjoy our company I did yeah great to be with you guys Ali, Ali <laughs> sign off. Ali, Ali Actually, Ali used to do this with her jersey presentation. Do it there, Ali. Ali would go up, get her jersey presentation, and then we'd all go, woo. And, you'd and I'd it. have to do my gymnastics pose, bloody ah, gymnastics. Yeah. Where that came from, someone made me do it once, and then 47 times later it would happen. I think that's the, the time we beat France, and then we had to keep oh. you doing it as a look. I know, I've been doing this since 2010. <laughs> we, we won't make you do it to wrap up today's show anyway. I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's been great having you on, Ali. You've been oh, great. Yeah. No problem. A pleasure, my friend. Of course. My friend, you're on. I'm only joking. You're always my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have to give a massive thank you to our partners, Bank of Ireland, proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. Until next time, guys, thanks very much. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland. 
proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.